Welcome to TechWriter Voices. I'm Tom Johnson from the Suncoast chapter in Tampa, Florida. Today I interview Neil Perlin on the subject of single sourcing, how to implement it, what to watch out for, uh, tips and advice. Neil has about 25 years of experience in technical writing. He does training, consulting, and developing of help content. His company is called HyperWord Services. He's in Massachusetts. He also has a column in the Intercom magazine called The Bleeding Edge. He's he's renowned for his expertise in uh, developing technology and, and what's on the forefront. So I was yep. just interested if you could tell us a little bit about where you're based and, and what your professional interests are. I'm based a little bit in a suburb of Boston, about 25 miles north of Boston, Massachusetts. But I operate pretty much across North America, U.S., Canada, with occasional forays into Europe and one memorable trip two years ago to to Israel. Um, As far as professional interests are concerned, I'm actually interested to see how my own interests are changing. Because when I started, and this is now going back to 79, I was basically a writer, um, in some cases literally, because I didn't know how to type at the time. And what's happened is that as my interests have shifted to follow or stay a little bit ahead of the profession, I find that I'm getting into areas that I never even would have occurred to me, in some cases as little as five years ago. But I'd say that my basic interest <clears throat> lies in creating content. And you know, that's kind of, kind of a vague word. But what I would say is that content is the material that tech writers produce that goes into things like users, printed users' guides and online help systems and so on, except what I'm more interested in is not producing a hard copy user's guide or an online help system as an end product, but what I'm actually becoming more interested in is producing the content as sort of a, the raw material that gets further processed into these different outputs, like a hard copy user's guide and a help system and so on and so forth, which I would say is really, when you get down to it, the definition of single sourcing. But what I'm interested in is not only the technical side of it, which is pretty pretty all-consuming as it is, but also the design side, the planning side, the management side, and all these other sort of semi-peripheral things that all feed together to make this stuff work or unfortunately fail. And I just think that this stuff is absolutely fascinating because it's just changing the industry. So that I would describe as my professional interest. Now, do you have an official definition of single sourcing that you use? Yeah, do I have a definition of single sourcing? Um, Yeah, there's about a bazillion definitions floating around. And every once in a while, an uproar breaks out on the uh, single sourcing SIG. What I've found that works for me is actually fairly simple, and it's flexible enough that it lets me adapt quickly to changes in technology and tools and design. And that's simply that I'm using one set of content as the raw material for multiple outputs, varied outputs, that may go out to different audiences, different subsets of audiences, different markets, different devices, different formats. And that's really it. But 
having a definition like that, I find, gives me the flexibility to bring in build conditionality, to bring in snippets, to bring in variables, to bring in something like the medium feature in Flare that allows me to pluck out subsections of a style sheet and use that to create different outputs almost on the fly. So it's a very, it's kind of broad. <clears throat> the definition is kind of broad. It's a little bit vague, and I've had people tell me that, and I agree with them. But in that vagueness, there's a lot of flexibility, and that, I would say, is my definition. Now, what are some of the major benefits of moving to a single sourcing model? Why would people want to adopt this? Well, <clears throat> in a sense, right now, there's almost no reason to do so, because People have been doing single sourcing for years. In fact, I'd say single sourcing goes back to 1991 with the, the appearance of Doctahelp as the first of the help authoring tools. And <clears throat> at the time, Doctahelp really set the standard for what was then cutting-edge single sourcing, which was creating one set of material and pushing it out to both primarily online form and hard copy. And that model is still with us today, and for the most part, is all people need. The idea that we need to do this highly complex, highly structured single sourcing is in order to be able to push things out, say, to three different versions of mobile devices, plus cell phones, plus audio, plus touch screen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for most people, <clears throat> just isn't there. There's almost nobody doing this kind of work yet, and that's the crucial thing. Um, because we are heading toward this. It's not that long ago, it's only 1995, that people really weren't sure, do I need a website? So, and of course, obviously, the benefits have made themselves felt over the years. And I'd say the same issue holds true here. So I think that if you go to single sourcing, even if you never, or at least not in the foreseeable future, going to have to output material that will run on a Palm and a Windows CE device and a Symbian Epoch device and so on. But what you get is a lot of the discipline and structure under the surface, the development benefits. And those, I would say, are <clears throat> structured content plus consistent content, which gives you a lot of output flexibility, plus what it really does by bringing your material under, under control standardized, structured, and so on, is it gives you a lot of flexibility for upward migration as new technologies appear, new tools appear, and so on. In other words, the more you bring your material under control, the more flexible you are for the future. And I think that's a crucial point, because we don't know what the future holds. We can take some guesses, and generally we're wrong. But we know that the technology is changing, that there's new technologies coming. And the only way to be able to migrate is cost-effectively and uh, by meeting deadlines to these new technologies is to have well-controlled material, well-structured material, because the more controlled and structured it is, the easier it is to run conversion tools reliably to move up to new technologies, period. Wow, that's interesting. So, so you're saying that a lot of people who have this idea that they can single source all their content is really not something that's practiced in reality. Is this a is this an official question or sort of a side, oh. a side question? Uh, 
This isn't a side question. I, I wasn't expecting you to, to say that. I, it's kind of shocking. But maybe you could just tell me about a awesome. few of the different different ways that people are, are doing single sourcing and structured writing. And, and then what method do you think is the best? Well, there's a bunch of ways people are doing it, depending in part on how they define it in the first place. And what I would what I would say, and this is going to sound like I'm going around in a circle, but bear with me, is that in or starting around 94 until probably around 90, 98, I used to get an awful lot of phone calls from people to the effect of my company just standardized on Doctor Help, Global Help, For Help, Help Magician, you name it, as our help authoring tool. Did we do the right thing? And I spent years desperately trying to figure out a diplomatic way of saying maybe you should have called me before you picked the tool. Because the problem is a lot of people pick the tool first and then they try to force fit their operations and their workflow and their material to what the tool supports. So <clears throat> whenever I talk to somebody who picks Authorit or Flare or XMetal or who knows what as the output tool, my first question to them is, why did you pick this tool, and did you pick it because of an evaluation of your needs and your strate uh, strategic assessment of your direction? And the answer is usually no. Uh, we got a good deal on it, which is fine, but it may be the wrong tool. <clears throat> so what I would say is that the best way to do single sourcing is to first sit down in a conference room with a lot of coffee and donuts and hash out exactly what it is your strategic direction is, what your needs are in the way of documentation, um, things like ROI standards, time to market standards, and I'd say out of all of those things, probably the most important thing is strategic assessment. Because for years, doc groups have had this reputation of being this sort of introverted group over in the back corner of the, of the third floor. And this is actually a chance for us to break out of that mold because tech writing is boring. Nobody reads tech writing. Content is like wicked, cutting-edge, way cool. And in a sense, technical writing is nothing more than repurposed content or retitled content. We are some of the people who best know how to do this, and we tech writers, are probably the people who are best positioned to help guide the company's strategic direction. So I'd say we do that first, <clears throat> and then having figured out where we want to go, what direction do you want to take your company in? If your company even knows, then you can turn around and say, well, we need such and such a tool. Or, <clears throat> and such and such a tool could be an authoring tool, authoring system. It could be Author It, could be Flare, could be XMetal, could be FrameMaker, could be RoboHelp, maybe. Um, plus, what supporting tools do we need? Do we need a content management system? If so, what kind? What other supporting standards do we need? Do we need metadata standards? Do we need um, controlled vocabulary and ontology standards? For the wording and so on. So there's a lot of standards definition that really has to be done up front before you can buy any tools. And of course, the, the other issue, just to muddy the waters still further, is that this stuff has to fit your company's culture. Because one of the worst things you can do is come up with an earth-shaking procedure and tool set for doing single sourcing and structured documentation. But if your company's culture 
isn't technical or just doesn't support the kind of discipline that's needed to make this stuff work, it'll fail badly, and I've seen it. So I'd say the best way to do it is to first figure out what it is you want to do, and then only after having done that, go off and buy the tools. And one of the reasons that <clears throat> companies are so often so iffy about dealing with consultants is that too many consultants will drag the let's figure out what we want to do phase of the project out to an eternity. But oftentimes, that can be a pretty quick process, a few weeks, and then you're off and running. So again, define your goals, <clears throat> your needs, and do a strategic assessment first, and only then go to work on picking tools. After you uh, do this assessment and you define the goals, mm -hmm. What what tool do you usually end up recommending to people, or do you just let them evaluate all the different ones and choose for themselves, or what? Well, my standard answer is it depends, and that's what I'd have to say here. There's a whole bunch of tools out on the market today, and it's not that long ago, say five, six, seven years ago, that there was a fairly clear delineation in terms of tool categories. There were help authoring tools, and there were web development tools, and there was very little crossover between the two. Nowadays, what's happened is that your typical commercial, mainstream commercial help authoring tool can not only be used to develop help, but it can be used to develop online documentation, online policy manuals, and even uh, which are in and of themselves, websites, if you develop in a format like WebHelp, one word, for example. So, and you can also develop help systems using web authoring tools. So there really is a crossover. Which tools I recommend, it's, it's, there's always a risk when you talk to a consultant of having the consultant recommend the tools that he supports. And there are a couple of tools that I support. Uh, RoboHelp and Flare are the two that I'm, I'm focused on right now. I imagine there'll be others. But in a sense, you could say that I recommend the tools that I support. But I would also say, and I have said this to people, that I support those tools because I think they're the best. But there are cases where I've recommended other tools that I don't support, and I've sent clients off to talk to somebody else. So personally, I happen to think that Flare right now is probably on the edge of as far ahead of RoboHelp in terms of pure technology and capabilities. But the tools like Flare and RoboHelp use a familiar model. They're pretty easy to learn. They're a lot easier to learn than web development tools like Dreamweaver, especially in companies that are not high-tech companies but that rather are low-tech companies like hospitals, insurance companies, and banks, and so on. So again, the tool depends on the client, <clears throat> depends on the client's culture, depends my, on my assessment of the culture. And I have always, as I said, made it a point to be, to a degree, tool agnostic. I don't support one tool. But if you, want, if you came to me and said, we want to do a website pure and simple, I'd probably send you to, to Dreamweaver because it's such a standard and there's such a, a huge base of support for it. If you came to me and said, we want to do help or we want to do online documentation, online policy manuals, I would probably send you either to RoboHelp or to Flare, and there's sort of a backup there of a bunch of other tools, author it, help, and manual, doc to help, and so on which I look at as being sort of second or third tier tools, but they are out there. What are some of the 
challenges that people face when they try to do single sourcing? You mentioned that sometimes if people implement single sourcing, they it can go go bad and in a pretty severe way. Can you elaborate on some of these challenges? Yeah, <clears throat> there's um, several major problems that I've, I've encountered over the years. One problem is the old sort of ready, fire, aim, oops model of project design and management where you just start the project rolling first, buy the tools, and then figure out what it is that you really wanted to do. And often it turns out that you picked the wrong tool <clears throat> or you just picked the wrong form or format or something. You just picked wrong. So that's one problem. Uh, another problem is that people often, and I, I'm always amazed at how often I run into this, people will buy the tools, and then management will, won't give them the budget to get trained. So they're using a tool, which may be a very powerful tool, and oftentimes they just mess things up royally. Oftentimes they actually figure out how to do something using the tool, but it's kind of a homebrew approach that they've figured out, and they've figured out how to do it, do, how to do something in 97 steps when I can show them how to do it in three. So I just keep saying, and obviously there's an element of self-interest here, but also to make the best use of those tools that you just spent 1000 or 2000 or $3,000 on, spend the extra money and get trained because it will make you tremendously more efficient. Another problem is the lack of uh, consistent internal standards across a company, sometimes the lack of consistent internal standards within a department so that you just get totally non-standard, inconsistent documentation. The writing is inconsistent, the structure is inconsistent, the coding is inconsistent, which means that the stuff cannot be reused without extensive handwork, and fewer and fewer places have the time for that handwork nowadays. So again, really lack of thinking about what you want to do, lack of training, uh, lack of standards are the biggest problems. And finally, the fourth problem is not getting this stuff built into the company's culture. So uh, you can have today's doc group who really buys into this stuff and they work really hard, and they get general acceptance from all parties concerned, and that's fine. <clears throat> but the stuff, they never really got the process ingrained in the company culture, and when today's doc group leaves, which it always will, tomorrow's doc group won't have the slightest idea what this stuff is, and they'll either deviate from standards slowly or instantly, and the whole process that went before them has just gone to waste. Neil, you visit a lot of chapters and you give a lot of presentations. How many of the people that you visit are looking to implement single sourcing or actually doing it? Again, at the risk of making a bore of myself, it depends on how you define single sourcing. Because in almost any chapter I visit, <clears throat> any professional group, uh, to, everybody's doing single sourcing. The problem is what they're really doing is online help and hard copy output. And generally, they want to get away from the hard copy output as fast as possible. So they're doing single sourcing in a very limited sort of 1991-ish sense. But the idea of doing single sourcing, <clears throat> outputting to multiple online devices, multiple handheld formats, that kind of thing, almost nobody for a variety of reasons. One is that the, that kind of technology, mobile devices, have not yet really hit the market in North America 
the way they have in Europe and Asia. So here there's still largely a curiosity limited to vertical markets or in-house markets. So for most, pl most places, most people, there's really just no need, no call, no market call for this kind of complex single sourcing. My guess is that it's coming because I've had enough experience with technologies for which there was no call, like online help in 1992 and the web in 1995 and so on, that I think there will be a market for this stuff, but it's taking its time evolving. But this is the best time to prepare for it by getting our projects under control through standards and so on. So the short answer is low-level single sourcing, very common. High-level, the sort of complex, multi-online format output single sourcing, extremely rare. Now, where can users go to find more information on single sourcing? Or let's say somebody wants to hire you as a consultant to give them advice on, a, on one of these tools you mentioned or just to give them more single sourcing um, information. Um, okay, some places to go to get information. Um, first of all, I would say STC is a good place to go. IEEE PCS is a good place to go. Any sort of writing-oriented professional society or content-oriented or training-oriented, which would include places like ASTD, uh, American Society for Training and Development, uh, ISPI, International Standard for Performance Improvement, and I'm sure there's a number of others along these lines that I'm forgetting. <clears throat> but that's a good place to start. There's a number of books out there. Uh, probably the best-known one is one by Anne Rockley called, and I have it in my bookshelf, and I can't see it, Managing Enterprise Content. It's, it's a good book. It's an interesting book. The problem that I have with it is that it takes sort of a blithe approach, what I think is a somewhat blithe approach to some fairly complex problems, like how do you break your material down into hundreds or thousands of chunks and then string them back together. And in my opinion, the book on a nuts and bolts level kind of oversimplifies, but conceptually I think it's an excellent presentation of the topic of single sourcing at, at, at the enterprise level. Beyond that, I would say you want to talk to professional groups in specific fields. In other words, if you want to do health single sourcing in healthcare, for example, uh, you probably want to start attending meetings at the American Hospital Association, Finance, American Banking Association, uh, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, AICPA, various groups like that, because ultimately you need to talk to the people who are dealing with this stuff on a regular basis. And often if you look at the conferences and websites that these groups put on, there's a heavy IT component, but there's often little or no representation from people like us, the content side. As far as uh, some other more high-level groups, and these are well worth following, if only to get an idea of broad direction. The World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C at www.w3.org, uh, OASIS, the Organization for the Advancement of Structured Information Systems, uh, various DITA, DITA users groups, and so on. 
basically, these are the groups that are defining what's coming at us and uh, what what we will have to be dealing with in the next few years. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, anybody interested in contacting me, my uh, what, my uh, email is nperlin, N-P-E-R-L-I-N, at concentric, C-O-N-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot net. Uh, Neil, is there any question that I haven't asked you that you want to respond or or touch upon? No, I think you've you've pretty much hit hit the range, uh, the high level range of questions about this stuff. What is it? Does anybody need it? What are the benefits? <clears throat> what are the drawbacks? And how do you make it work? Um, I think that's pretty much covered it. There's obviously an enormous amount of detail involved here. Uh, we are heading into a world now where we're starting to see a change very slowly in how people do this because what I'm starting to see is the first signs of the ability to apply Web 2.0 methodology to online help development. But right now and for the near future, I think that the questions you've asked have really pretty much hit it directly. That wraps it up for today. If you want to know some of the websites and organizations Neil mentioned, look in the show notes. Also, you can find his email address in the show notes. If you want to visit Neil's website, it's hyperword.com, and that's also in the show notes. Music was provided by the Podshow Music Network.